pain reduction, lowering blood pressure, reducing blood clot risk. Man, leeches are actually a pretty amazing creature. I wonder if they could forecast the weather. Welcome to What Is It About The Weather podcast where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek. This week we're going to be talking a little bit about Victorian era forecasters and whether maybe they kept us in the dark ages. But before we get there, as always, I hope your weather's doing well. Hope that the change of seasons, which is kind of where we're at, I know if you're in the tropical area, maybe not so prominent, but for those in the mid-latitudes and above, we're definitely in the time of year where weather can go this way and that way. But whichever way your seasons are transitioning, I hope it's going well in the type you enjoy. Certainly in the Southern Hemisphere right now, there's a lot of people coming out of winter that are thrilled. And those in the Northern Hemisphere that enjoy the fall, like me, or that look forward to winter, like me, (laughs) I know I'm not alone, tis the season. So I hope yours is going as well as mine. Heard from a listener this week asking me about the new Apple iOS weather app. What in my opinion? Well, the first challenge we have with that is I don't currently have an iOS device. I've had multiple iOS devices over the year, but I'm not using any as of we speak. But I did read a little bit about it. So, Kent, just to follow up on your question. It's interesting. I mean, it looks like they've made some nice steps. It's they're They're making it. I think what's maybe most interesting about it is they're they're changing up the philosophy a little bit with weather data, and they're they're doing a couple things. One is the interface is changing depending on the you know the type of weather going on around you or coming up. For instance, if it's going to be raining outside or it is already raining outside, your screensaver on that page might be in rain mode, which I think is pretty cool. Right, I, I think that that's a smart thing to do. They're also making it more map centric, which I think is useful. Because that is something we we visually respond differently than we do when we hear things, when we do, when we read things. And the phone is that delicate balance, right? If you think about it in the context of more and more people watch videos and watch content on there, and that's one of the primary things they do, not just reading text, then having the map focus is going to be useful. I'll be curious to see where, where that kind of plays out or how it morphs the next time around but it sounds like something people are excited with and if anybody wants to give me their feedback on what they think for instance Kent if you like the new weather app let me know but I will also say that one of the things I did when I noticed the changes is I tried to understand a little bit more about where the data is coming from that's driving these things and I'm going to put a link in the show notes because there is actually a page from Apple that specifically talks about where the data for the different elements is coming from. And I think that's useful because it does help the user understand the framing of what they're receiving, which is relevant in different situations. And the idea is to help, I think, users feel more comfortable that when it's an emergency situation, that data might be coming from one source, whether it's you know, just a traditional forecast that's looking out over a period of time it might be coming from a different source. I liked that they were transparent about that because, quite frankly, Apple is not always transparent. So I think it's good that they're doing that. But 
it also reflects that, you know, there's maybe no one best weather data source, that there might be situations where looking at the long range is better served by one source and looking at the shorter range is served by another. And, and actually, I would tell you that if, if the weather app you use doesn't provide you some context of where they get their base data, at least somewhere, if you want to look at it, I'm not saying everybody's going to, then you, you should question what's going on. You, you should want to know where that's coming from. I mean, a lot of them use what is now IBM, but essentially it was the Weather Channel and still is the Weather Channel, not the TV station, but the data behind it. But IBM has their own model now that incorporates that. But you know, whether it's pulling it from here in the U.S., you might be pulling it from the local National Weather Service or NOAA, like if you're getting radar images or stuff like that, uh, or you know, satellite images or whatever it might be. So just. I don't know. It's worthwhile. So Kent, my, my opinion is being a non-user. So I think it looks pretty cool. Now, that, is that going to make me go buy an Apple device? No, but I, I will be curious to hear from any of you else that are using it and what you think. All right. All right. Let's get to the ongoing thing that's, that's going on. And I'll be brief this week. Please take the survey. What is about the weather.com slash survey? Still want to hear from more of you. I'm going to leave it up a few more weeks, but get it out of the way. I've asked you to do it. Just go do it. Only takes a few minutes. For those of you who have taken it, thank you. And finally, donations. Yes, I asked. And yes, a couple of you did go in and, and give. And I appreciate that. Long and the short. I'm doing a ride next weekend. So it's going to be the first weekend of October for raising funds for the Autism Science Foundation. And like I said, a couple of you from that I know directly who listen to the podcast have gone in and donated. And I, I really appreciate that. I'm not you know, looking to make gobs of money here. I'm just trying to raise some money for a good cause. So if you have a chance, what is about the weather.com slash charity? I kept it simple. Links are in the show notes, but you just got to go. What is about the weather.com slash charity? Just do it. Do it. Any amount helps, right? With all these things. Don't ever feel like you're giving too little. Take the step. And they even give you, you know, they, they ask you if you want to cover the service charge credit card charge. Don't worry about it. If you don't, don't worry about it. Just know that some amount, a little bit less will go to the company. But you know, they, the, the charities, I think, get a little better rate with the credit card companies. I don't know that for sure. But no matter what, a little bit here and there, all of it comes together into a bigger sum. And so everything we do helps. Thank you. All right. Let's talk about Victorian era stuff, right? Victorian era stuff. So when was the Victorian era? Well, Queen Victoria was around, but but generally it's kind of encapsulated between the 1850s and the 1900s, right? At the beginning, turn of the century. That's, that's what it's believed. And it was an interesting time because there was a lot of forward progression in the world of science, right? It's the time when Darwin lived, you know, or, or you know, his works were becoming appreciated for what they were. Again, I know not everybody believes what Charles Darwin had to say, but it, it was a period where more people could talk about these things. But it was also kind of an interesting period where it was a little bit of a you know, spaghetti at the wall approach. So science, as we know, quite often, the process of science, it, it isn't like you know at the onset, like, aha, this is a thing. You got to work towards those ahas and figure them out. And so it's a messy process a lot of times. And in a lot of cases, that means throwing something to the wall and saying, hey, is that, you know, does that stick? Does it, does it make sense? And then testing that theory. And the challenge was that 
you know, if you look back at history, a lot of times we go through periods where science may not be encouraged or you don't have enough of a way to do the measurements you need. I, you know, I can go on and on with a list of what makes testing a hypothesis difficult. But we were getting to a stage where more things were being thrown out, right? And you could walk through them. But we also went through some craziness during that time. And there was even a journal that I came across called Science Gossip, right? I mean, that was the name of, of an a journal, like when I think of a journal, I think of it as being, you know, some fancy name that you know everybody hears the name. They go, oh, I don't want to read anything in that. But it it was a period where you know we were, you know, was, were, were there creatures on the moon as an example? And there have been stories about, you know, we go through all those things. So it was a period of a lot of that. So it was a lot of really neat things, and there was a lot of just made up horse manure, right? But in between those two zones, sometimes when people are testing out theories that may seem by today's standards crazy or what would make you think that, there was some merit to doing it. And a lot of times, even now, we have things that work scientifically that we don't fully understand why they work, right? And that happens often. We put something forward, we think something might do something, and proves to be true, but the more important thing a lot of times is getting to why, right? Because that's the only way you can definitively decide, hey, is it is this valid or, or was it just circumstantial? Did it just happen to be that this happened when that happened? All right. So we're going to talk about it from a weather standpoint, because keep in mind, by now we're already, we have some basic things. We have the ability to measure atmospheric pressure and temperature, and we have an understanding a little bit about how those things work. But trying to take it to that next step, trying to really deliver a weather forecast, if you will, was really in its infancy. Okay, We had been starting to collect data, and it would be valid data by then, but turning that into something with which you could make a decision was a new idea, right? And the UK was one place where that was going on. And, and, and this happens for a couple of different reasons. One is there was a lot of ships coming and going. And that was one of the, you know, in during this time period, the high seas were a dangerous place, right? So you wanted to be able to understand it from, you know, was it even safe to come into harbor sort of thing? But even on land, even though we may have been still not in the industrial area, we may have been a more agrarian society at that point, there were still decisions to be made about when to do certain things, when to harvest crops, when to even be outside. And if you could have forecast the weather for the day, it might help. Now, you might say, well, in certain areas, you can only say, well, you can count on rain unless you hear otherwise. Well, maybe that's true. But if you're looking for a uh, an optimal situation, having at least a couple days worth of forecast was a worthwhile cause, if you will. So in the UK, there was, because we had this era going on, and it's called the Victorian area for a reason, because that's where the Queen was, a lot of efforts going on. And there was a gentleman by the name of George Merriweather. Now, the name's not lost on me, of course that had something to do with that. Now, how did I hear about this thing? The funnier thing was, is I, with all the streaming services going on now, you know, I try a lot of them out, even if I don't keep them. And one of them is the Discovery, right? Discovery Plus is their service. A little cheaper service, 
but it has a lot of like, you know, home fix it stuff, a lot of science stuff, a lot of documentaries, but it, in, you know, getting mixed in with all that is, you know, you might have the Bigfoot hunters or whatever else, but there was a show called strangest things, not stranger things on Netflix, it's completely different, strange things. And they had a, you know, it was the first episode and they, they cover some different things, right? But one of them, they mentioned something about weather. So I, oh, I'll watch the episode. And they brought up the idea of leeches and weather. I was like, okay, where's this going? What does it really have to do? And it gets into the idea a little bit of the craziness that was going on at the time. But craziness in a way that at least there was some foundation and some merit to doing it. So this person, George Merriweather, was actually a doctor, but he had a lot of side interest. In that time, and even still today, if you go to a country that still kind of uses leeches or thinks of leeches as important, the UK still does. They still offer leech therapy, and there's a reason for that. If you've ever, if you know anything about leeches, yes, they suck your blood, but they have all these things that allow them to attach to you and keep you from necessarily noticing they're there. Now, Wild leeches can infect you, but most leeches that are raised today are raised so that they're clean and they're not going to give you a disease if you use them. But they have these neat things. So they have one chemical that when they're sucking on you, it's it's an antiseptic, so you don't necessarily notice they're there, right? So there's the painkiller portion. They have another one because they don't want the blood to clot and stop flowing. They have one that keeps your blood from clotting. So it goes on and on and on. But it, it's just like all these chemicals in the body of these creatures are natural medicines that do a lot of incredible things, and that's why they're still used today. So they were already familiar with them back then. And this doctor came across a verse by a person who actually created a smallpox vaccine back in the day who was writing something about leeches, and it really caught his attention. And it caught his attention relative to weather, and because this person had a side interest in weather, he said, uh-huh, started playing with leeches. And he developed this thing that's called the Tempest Prognosticator. And around the 1850s, the UK was looking at different devices they would put on their ships to send out there that would help them know if the weather was going to go bad. And this guy developed this thing. And what he learned was that when stormy weather came, that leeches would rise out of the water. Now, these are you can have land-based leeches, but these are leeches that live in the water, would come out of the water, which they can do, and they can survive for a long period of time out of the water. Maybe you see it even now. You, have you ever been out after a rainstorm and you see worms do the same thing? So there's a reason that compels them to come out of the water. And it all, a lot of it has to do with how they absorb oxygen, all right? Or that's at least the current belief. Again, testing theories, right? That that once the the ground becomes too saturated for a worm, they can't easily do what they're used to doing. Leeches, you know, what they didn't know at the time was why is the leech coming out of the water? What The belief amongst a lot of people was, well, that's when they assumed food would be available, right? And so they would go on their blood quest when, when the storms were out. But what this doctor found was 
based on that verse and his own experience, that leeches would come out of the water when the weather was stormy. So he thought it had something to do with basically changes in the electromagnetic state going on around, right? So he built this thing, like I said, that is, and it's elaborate. There's a thing in the show notes. I think I put the link from Atlas Obscura where you can go and kind of read about it a little bit more. He built this device that more or less had these 12 jars. Each one would have a leech and have a certain amount of water in it, not all the way to the top. And at the top of this thing, though, there was a little kind of switch, if you will. I think it was made out of whalebone. Again, keep in mind, no pl- all the things that have changed in the modern era. It's a little switch with a whalebone that when it would be triggered, a bell would go off, right? And so, ha, you would know that a storm was on the way. Now, the real question was how far in advance would you know? And, you know, there's some stuff about, well, he did some report one time that was 51 hours in advance. Well, you know, maybe, maybe not because we'll get into what's really going on and why you probably couldn't count on it from that standpoint. But the real question I had when I was reading this is why 12 leeches? Well, he found that not all leeches are the same. Some are better responders. And in theory, he also didn't want the leeches to be alone. Now that one I'm finding a little harder to believe, but maybe that was true. And maybe somebody documented and he developed this thing. So the leeches could see other leeches, but the long and the short, the leeches would come up and, and trigger. And the thought process was the more leeches that came in and, and, and trigger hit their little, their little switch, the more intense or, you know, more certain that a storm was coming. Now, what we now believe is really going on, and and again, this kind of gets to the same thing with worms, is when atmospheric pressure changes, it changes how much dissolved oxygen there is in the water. And in theory, it it would have made it harder for the leeches to get oxygen in the lower levels where they would have hung out. And so they were seeking higher levels in the water or even trying to get out of water so that they could more easily get access to the oxygen that they needed. Now, whether that's fully true or not, I don't know, but it does seem to be more atmospheric pressure oriented, okay? And that is the belief now, like I said, is it had something to do with a level of dissolved oxygen in the water, but it didn't seem to have so much to do with the air. Again, we get back to the idea that atmospheric pressure certainly changes when storms are coming, so there was still some validity in how it worked. But if you looked at this contraption, you'd go, why in the world would I put this on a boat? Kind of crazy. But the thing that they settled on, which was the storm glass by Fitzroy, didn't work any better. And today, these devices, the idea of what they were doing was trying to to take weather to the next step. But they were doing something in, in some sort of fanciful way that turned out to maybe push us backwards, right? If people got to where they believed that and then it didn't work, we went, we got stuck. And because we already had barometers and thermometers, it's been proposed and I saw some things that even said that maybe it felt more dark ages because it seemed a little less sciencey and a little more fanciful. I don't know that I buy that. I, I think that it's wise to try things, right? And there was some at least sound judgment in what he was doing. Now, the other one that I read about, I'm not so sure about. So the other thing was this idea and, and for those that are not, I'm not German, right? And I, I again, so there's a, a phrase in Germany, it's Wetterfrosch, and I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but said is all one word. It literally translates in the weatherman or it's doing, but what it, what it literally translates into is weather and frog. And there's some basis 
in where that came from. So around the same time period, there was this belief that frogs, when the weather was going a certain way, would climb up on a ladder. These were tree frogs. And so the idea was better weather, frogs would go up the ladder. So people would, and there's an illustration, a famous illustration of this, with a dude with a, a, a little ladder in a glass, big glass jar that has a frog in it. And if the frog goes up the ladder, better weather. If it's staying down, bad weather. That was the, the belief. Today, the belief is simply that they're going where their food is. And the warmer it gets, the more the insects rise further up into the air column. And so that the, the frogs are going higher so they can eat the insects. Again, that's, that's where it's believed to be today. I don't know how you ever prove a lot of this stuff, but that's the prevailing theory. But because this thing was such a part of the culture at that time, again, during the same era, and it would have been anywhere, it wasn't like just in Germany, but anywhere where the Germanic languages kind of took hold because I've seen parks dedicated to this frog and all this stuff. But the long and the short of it is weathermen get so little respect today in Germany that they're kind of name their translation name now i'm not sure this is the only way you translate weatherman in, in german or weather person in german has to do with the weather frog but but what's kind of cool what's kind of cool is things come full circle don't they and even google now on their devices like their nest devices and their anything that has a screen on it that's part of their home series you can load up the weather frog and I think that's kind of neat. So you have a weather frog interacting with you. The likelihood is the weather frog probably was born out of some connection with that whole history with weather and frogs. But really, would you put a frog in a jar, close him off, give him a little ladder, and expect him to tell you the weather? I don't know. Yeah, and it, again, to some extent, it probably worked. You know, uh, but these sort of things, when they're not really tested out, can, if they take hold, because as we know, things can take hold that don't necessarily have any founding in a lot of stuff. And once they take hold, they can be hard to dislodge or displace. You can read more about both these things in the show notes. But, you know, it's just a reminder that these sort of weird things sometimes set us a little bit backwards, but hopefully other people are doing stuff at the same time that can, you know, progress things and keep us moving forward. I don't know. I found both of them interesting. And I like the idea that people, even in today's environment, that people are trying new ways to think about how do we get a better understanding of the world around us. I always think that's important, right? Because for us to progress as a as a species, the the dominant species on this planet, and to do it effectively and wisely and in a way that's in context and appropriate with the world around us, we need to learn and evolve our thinking. And this was an attempt to do that. There was at least some basis, you know, you, at least some underlying principle. And we've talked about it. The animals probably have a sense of certain things about the weather. But our interpretation of the animal, yeah, we're not always so good at that. In any case, if you have any others that you've run across, whether it was from that era, I found a book actually about weather in the Victorian era. So I'm going to have to read about that. It's something I got to pick up. This another book to add to my list. Or we might get some more episodes in the future that are, that are useful. But if you have another interesting story from a culture you're in that maybe I can't easily access because English isn't my first language, I'd be 
interested to hear about it, or if you've heard other stories of kind of what seemed maybe logical at the time, but by today's standards would just be wild when it has to do with, it doesn't even have to be with weather. Just let me know. I'd be curious. I'm always interested in hearing stories like this. What is it about the weather at gmail.com? You can hit me up on Twitter, Mark underscore Jelonic, or you can hit the podcast. What is about the weather on Twitter as well. And of course, if you're so inclined, your support on Patreon helps to keep this podcast going. Patreon.com slash weather. But until next time, the next time a leech grabs hold of your leg or your arm or whatever it is, just remember there's much more to weather than the weather itself. <laughs>